I said, you're going to need it. I've got 14 pages of notes. Her response is what you're thinking. Her response was, why? I said, because I have increased the font so large, right? Brother May said 2020. It's 2020 year-wise, but I'm still. But I, I, I just calmed down for a moment because I told her I only printed eight pages, and I may preach the rest of it Wednesday, so. You ever been in a service whenever the preacher preached for about an hour and a half and he says, just give me five more minutes and somebody in the back says, preach. And everybody else wants to look at that person and say, come on, man. I was in a conference and I won't tell you who I was standing with, but a friend of mine, pastors, and he's known for saying whatever pops in his head. We were standing there. We were in a, we were in a convention center, and this, this, it was the last night of the service. And praise team had sang, choirs had sung, individuals had sung, testimonies. Every minister on planet Earth had been recognized, and it was probably close to ten o'clock before the preacher ever got on the platform. And he preached marvelous everything was excellent everything was perfect but the conference center the coordinators the ushering staff they weren't so impressed they were having to clean up after we left to get ready for a Saturday morning session with another group so they came in at 1130 or so and closing in on 12 o'clock and said you're going to have to shut this down Hey, we're preaching. Yeah, we understand. You're going to have to shut this down. Our crew has to get in here and clean this up. A friend of mine that was standing beside him, he said, anybody that has church this long should have to shut it down. So we're not going to have church that long tonight. Amen. But I, I will tell you this. What I feel the Lord's laid on my heart tonight is a revelation for the church. And whether we get it, whether I get it, or whether you get it, I don't know. But if we can get it, we might be able to lessen our Blue Mondays. If we can get this, we might be able to endure hardship as a good soldier. And as they sang tonight, I'm not, I'm not going back. I'm going to wait on Jesus. Yesterday, I was listening to some music on YouTube, and I pulled up Larry Carter. Did anybody in here ever heard of Larry Carter? If you are a guitar player, you you can you need to listen to Larry Carter. But he has a song. When I found Jesus. I don't remember the, the, all the lyrics, but the blues went out the window. So uh, tonight I want to find Jesus and have the blues just going out the window. If you have your Bible, go with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 3. This verse has probably been, written, written, been read in this sanctuary multiple times. I don't remember. They're not making new scripture, so we're sticking with the old. But if you'll stand with me, I want to I minister to you what I feel the Lord's laid on my heart tonight. And we're not going to preach through 14 pages of notes. And we're not going to be here an hour and a half unless the Holy Ghost directs me to preach that long. But I do want to give you something I feel the Lord's given to me tonight. And I'm excited about it. I'm excited about me getting this. I'm excited about me getting this. As well as you. 
Ephesians chapter 3 verse 9 and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery could we stop right there for just a moment I know you've been standing for 35 minutes but could we just pray a simple prayer for yourself right now God let me see the fellowship of the mystery God let me see this I told, I told my wife, I pray, I pray, God, let me see things other people don't see. Let me hear things other people's not hearing. And I want to see what the Word of God is actually saying. I want to understand this. I want to have a revelation of this. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God. God knew it, but he hadn't revealed it. God knew it, but he hadn't manifested but now the apostle comes along and said let us see who created all things by Jesus Christ verse 10 to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers and heavenly places might be known by the church are you the church we are the church. I am the church. And he said, this might be known by the church, the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose, which he purposed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Will you pray with me tonight? Father, we humble and we surrender our will before the presence before the master's will. Tonight, Lord God, we felt your presence. God, we know you are in our midst. We know you're here. We've gathered in the name of Jesus. God, we're calling on your holy name tonight to give us wisdom and knowledge and revelation. We're calling on your name tonight, Lord God, that you give us strength in our body, wisdom and knowledge and revelation, truth. I'm asking you tonight, Lord God, that you minister to the need of this congregation and let the Holy Ghost call people from darkness to a marvelous light. God, call us from our darkness of human thinking and common thinking and common sense to a biblical principle. God, let us see what you want to reveal in this last day. 2,000 years past the resurrection, God, in, in Jesus' name, enlighten us tonight. Open your word and give us a revelation. Give us understanding. We love you tonight. We ask your help. I pray you, Lord God, to help us to overcome any unnatural sleep or slumber and give us an opportunity to be alert tonight and hear your voice. Minister, Lord God, words of life. I love you and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated tonight. I believe you are like me. I believe you want to grow. I believe you want to see the church grow. I, want to, I believe you want to see something good happening in our families. You want to see something good happening in your workplace. You want to see something good happening in our community, a revival. Here's what, I, here's what I believe. I believe when we look in the mirror, we see the same flesh, we see the same body that we see when we look at other humans. I'm not talking about complexion and, 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 and different features. I'm talking about we are all human. And we get caught in a trap. And we begin to think of ourselves as other people. Now, we know the joys of life. We know how enjoyable it is to be around our children, to watch them grow up. I know how enjoyable it is to be around my grandchild now, uh, to be able to see things happening that we've prayed about, things that we've worked for come to fruition where we are enjoying life. But we also understand the pains. We understand suffering. We understand hurts. We understand the, the difficulty of losing a loved one to death. We understand life. And this is true with a saint or a sinner. And we get caught in life and we lose focus on this eternal. Notice how the apostle wrote this according to the eternal purpose. And that's what I want to minister on tonight because I believe that even as a saint of God, as a Christian, as somebody that's been baptized into one body according to Scripture, we can lose focus on this eternal plan, this eternal purpose 
God has for us. And we lessen ourselves to survival mode. We enjoy the enjoyables that come our way. We enjoy the things that we can possibly enjoy. We manufacture joy sometimes. But it's easy for us to lose focus on the eternal plan, the eternal purpose of God. Think for a moment of the fact we have a book. We call it our Bible. Think for a moment. Don't lose focus right now. That gives us step by step the history, right? The history of this eternal purpose being played out and also gives us the future of this eternal plan or purpose. You all read your Bible? I know you do. Step by step. As we work our way from creation, from where God breathed life into Adam, right? We work through the Old Testament. We work through the history of him working with Adam. And we see the birth of the church. We talked about it this morning on the day of Pentecost. Whenever God breathed again into the nostrils of man, the breath of life and the church was born and life was given on the day of Pentecost when they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost or the breath of God or the Spirit of God. Now consider how it was all revealed page by page. Holy men of old, right? Is that what Scripture tells us? Holy men of old rode as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost. They didn't dream this up or pin this up by themselves, but they were moved by the Holy Ghost and they gave us page after page of history that we can look back and see it unfold as God's eternal plan. Notice in Acts chapter 2 verses 1 through 4. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. It sat upon each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The church that is described in this marvelous book we call our history book of the New Testament, which is the book of Acts. Think about this, how that the book of Acts, Luke is the author, Luke is the writer here, that he gives us the beginning of the church in earth, on earth. This is the church birthed on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Ghost was baptized into these believers that had waited on Jesus, had waited on the promise, had waited on the command, go you into Jerusalem and stay there until you are endued with power from on high. You know this. I know you know this. But I want you to understand the church is the central object of the eternal purpose. From the beginning of him breathing life into Adam is pointing directly toward the church. Through Abraham's day and Jacob's day and the nation being birthed through Jacob, the 12 sons of Jacob, to David, the worshiper from the, from the lineage of Judah, all the way to bringing in Rahab, bringing in the harlot, bringing in the prostitute, to reaching out to Moab and getting a Ruth and pulling her in. And she's in the direct line to Jesus Christ. She's in the direct family of Jesus Christ, marrying in to the tribe of Judah. And we see all this page by page page unfold the eternal purpose of God to reach into the New Testament and pull out Jesus Christ and have him die on a cross and give birth to a church purpose, the goal, the central object of all that God has been doing in all realms from all eternity. Think about this. The entire universe is ordered for this purpose.
Does it dawn on us why Satan hates the church? Does it dawn on us why he hates worship? Does it dawn on us why Satan hates what we're doing on a Sunday afternoon? If I could just get you to understand this morning or this afternoon, the church is greater than any Fortune 500 company. Any empire that has ever been from the Roman Empire to the Babylonian Empire to the great United States, whatever it might be, the church is the central object. The church is what gets the attention of God. Whenever God wanted to speak to the earth, he spoke through Abraham. He would find him a Jacob. He would find him a David. He would find him a man of God that could hear the voice of God and he would speak to a prophet. He would speak to an Elijah. An Elijah, he would speak to a man of God. Go speak to the king. He's dead to me. I can't talk to him, but I'll talk to you. You're alive. You go speak to him. For all things, all things, if you've drifted on me for a moment, bring your thoughts back. All things belong to the church. Everything's for our benefit. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 21 through 23. Therefore let man glory let therefore let no man glory in men for all things are yours so it doesn't matter what party you join if you're a, a part of the church all things whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life, or death, or things present, or things to come. I told you at the beginning, this is a revelation. You can go home saying. You can go home saying. You can go home and say, man, he preached a little longer than I expected tonight, but we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. All things the same. But if you can turn in for just a moment and, and you pray that prayer in your own heart, God, let me have a revelation of this. The Apostle Paul wasn't concerned about a whip. Brother Maisie wasn't concerned about the rod. He wasn't concerned about a shipwreck. He wasn't concerned about a prison. They said, they said, don't go. Don't go to Rome. You're going to be a prisoner there. We see you. We see you in the Spirit. God has revealed you're going to be in handcuffs. He said, you're breaking my heart. What he was concerned about was the mission that he had been commissioned to. He was concerned about the mission, the calling of God on his life to do what God had called him to do, to preach this gospel to every creature, to teach and to baptize everyone that would become obedient to the word of God. He was not concerned about bondage. He wasn't concerned about prisons. He wasn't concerned about whips and chains and, and bondage. What he was concerned about is the will of God because the will of God is the... And the church body is the central object of all creation. And you, verse 23, are Christ. And Christ is God's. Matthew Henry, as I begin to look at this set of scriptures, I, I pulled up Matthew Henry's commentary on this, and I'll just read you what he said. If we belong to Christ and are true to him, all good belongs to us. And is sure to be us if we belong to Christ and are true to him, all good belongs to us and is sure to us it's coming our way believers are the subjects of his kingdom get this in your spirit tonight before you leave believers are the subjects of his kingdom he does not take his eyes off 
those that belong to him. Regardless of what hell you go through here on earth because he said you shall go through tribulation, right? Not the tribulation, but in this world you shall have tribulation. Be of good cheer, right? So we understand even though we go through troubles and struggles, we are the central object of the plan. He is Lord over us. We must own his dominion. This is by revelation. We must own his dominion, cheerfully submit to his command. God in Christ reconciling the sinful world to himself and pouring the riches of his grace on a reconciled world is the sum and substance of the gospel. So the apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth said all things, all good. All good doesn't belong to the empires of the world, but it belongs to the church. We look at the riches of the Arab worlds. We look at the riches of, of history of the Egypts, of the Greece and of Rome and of Russia and China and all these great powers that was and are, but yet the church is more powerful can we get a revelation of that tonight? When you wake up in the morning, you are part of the most powerful being on earth, on planet earth. We house the presence and the spirit and the anointing and the authority. He said you gotta take his dominion. You gotta walk in his dominion. You gotta receive this by revelation that whenever you wake up in the morning, you are a threat to world powers. You are a threat to, dimension, to the principalities and powers that are here. And the apostle Paul understood that. That's the reason when the sons of Sceva said, we adjure thee in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. He said, I know Paul. Elijah looks to the heavens and said, don't rain. It didn't rain for three and a half years. And he said, it's time to rain. He said, what do you see? He said, I don't see anything. He said, I hear abundance of rain. He said, what do you see? I don't see anything. What do you see? I don't see anything. Seven times. He didn't give up. He heard the abundance of rain. Three and a half years, he said, at my word. Can we get this in our spirit today? Can we get this in our spirit today? At my word. At my word. The, the prophet Elijah walked in the authority, the dominion, and the power of God. He would speak to kings, and he would speak to nature. He would speak to a widow woman that had a handful of meal and say, give me a cake first because God's about to ordain a miracle here, and you're going to live. Ordain this in Jesus' name for us tonight that we could get a revelation of this. We look into church history, we look into biblical history, and we see Pharaoh, we see Darius and Nebuchadnezzar and Alexander, and then we look into modern, more modern, and we see the great men that has a name, Napoleon and others that have such great importance in church or in, in, in history. But I want us to understand the purpose. I want us to understand the church. I want us to understand the power, the authority that we walk in. What, what God said in Hebrews whenever he spoke about the people that endured all the hardships. Remember he, he said they were, they, were, they were sawn asunder. They were fed to lions. They were, went through all kinds of torment. Some of them were killed and some of them lost their life because of their relationship to God. He said the world was not worthy of them. If you've, if you've studied any history, you know that Hitler had a half mustache, right? Sides shaved off. And I was watching a documentary on him, and the, the reason he had half a mustache, he was in a gas attack. He put the mask on. 
and he had a full mustache, and it raised the mask enough to where gas got in. And from that point, he shaved it where the gas mask would fit tight to his face, and there would be no gases leak behind the mask. God knew Hitler. God knew Nero. My question is why? Why would he let Nero be born? Why would he let Nero be in power? Why did he raise him up? God raises people up. God is the one that gives power and authority. When Jesus stood before Pilate, he said, you have no power unless God's given it to you. So he was in complete control of his, his, his emotions at that moment, knowing he's getting ready to face a mob of people that's going to say crucify him, but yet he sits there calm because he understood authority and power, and he said nobody has power unless it's been given by God, and if he's given it, it's okay. Y'all with me? Why Hitler? Why did God allow that? So as I stand before you tonight, I can't give you the answer why. But I'm assured of the fact that God has an eternal purpose. And it's all working together. Do we see the power of God and his purpose as we look through the pages of how it's unfold or how it does unfold? Can we see Isaac? God needed an Abraham because he needed an Isaac. He needed an Isaac because he needed a Jacob. And he needed Jacob because he needed 12 sons to build a foundation. Can we look into Scripture and understand he needed a Hannah that would say, if you'll give me a son, I'll give him back to you because he needed a Samuel. Eli's getting ready to exit the scene. I need another man to stand in, the, in my presence and hear my voice and speak to the people and I'm going to close the womb of a Hannah but Hannah's going to pray like nobody's business. She's going to cry out to me and I'm going to ignore her. She's going to get on to her husband and say, pray with me and pray for me. we got to have a son. I want a baby. I want a boy. And everything's going to be shut down but when she says, I'll give him to you, I'm going to say, okay. Do we see the plan of God? Do we see how God works behind the scenes when we think he's shut his mouth to us and we, he shut his eyes to us and all things are closed off? This was a glorious truth that had been revealed to Paul. Paul was caught up into the third heaven. Notice in Romans eight twenty-eight, you know it. And we know that all things could we interject right there the entire universe you see sometimes we we belittle ourselves to just a redneck from Bell County Claiborne County we're the church on the wrong side of the tracks or however you want to look at it. But if we could step back for a moment and say, God's eyes are up on me right now. God sees where I'm at right now in my emotional state of mind. God knows where I'm at right now physically. God knows where I'm at in my finances. God knows where I'm at in my marriage. God knows where I'm at with my children. God knows my tears or my joy. He knows my praise or he knows my, my grumble. He knows everything about me. God's eyes are upon me because I'm the church and the church is the central object of the eternal purpose. We know that all things work together, are cooperating, cooperating rather, for good to them that love God. That's me, that's you. To them who are the called according to his purpose, the church, the bride. That's the purpose. We're called according to his purpose. And this is the ultimate purpose. The, 
the, the goal of all history from breathing life into Adam to us making streets of gold and, and living with God for eternity. This is the goal, the total objective, the purpose. We get caught up in the moment. We get caught up in, in, in a financial situation and it's, it's a, a bad day. We get caught up in a phone call from a doctor, not a, so good of a report, it's a bad day. We pl- pray like crazy that we can just keep our loved ones from going to heaven. Amen? Somebody gets sick, what do we pray? God, heal them. Now you all are looking at me like I'm crazy. The Apostle Paul said, it's better for me to go home. If you get sick, I'm going to pray God save you, God heal you, God deliver you. Amen. Everything you're going to experience tomorrow, all of creation that you see that glorifies God, Everything that's going on, if you will accept, God has control. If you will accept, God's working all things out. God's in control. It will allow you to rest in him. Amen. When the enemy rears his ugly head to stop your worship, If you will understand and get a revelation, this is what God requires of me. Brother Mays read from from Psalms this afternoon for us to praise God, for us to worship God, right? This is what our duty is, for us to live holy before the presence of God and bring Him glory and honor, praise and worship. So when we begin to understand our purpose and the purpose of God, the purpose that He has for the church, so the church and only the church is the key to understanding the purpose of God. The world will not reveal the purpose and plan of God to you, but what Paul was saying, it's been revealed to the church. It's okay tonight? Y'all checking out on me? So we've met tonight. We've come into the house of the Lord this night, and we've come in to relearn or rediscover how we can totally cooperate with the eternal plan. A couple weeks ago, a couple Wednesday nights ago, I ministered on a perfect God dealing with a perfect man in a perfect world. God's dealing with me to position myself. I, I, I won't be perfect like Adam was before he sinned. But he's, he's working on me to position myself that we, that we put ourselves where we are as perfect as we can possibly be here in this corrupt world. This world is not going to be perfect. But God is perfect. And if we can submit ourselves to his will, what great work could God do? We look at an Elijah or Elijah. We look at the Apostle Paul or Peter. We look at these great men throughout history, and it's not only biblical characters and people, but even in our day, people being used mightily by God by submitting themselves into the purpose of God, getting away from the cares of the world and the things that's going on to focus our attention upon him. Notice the Apostle wrote his second letter to the church at Corinth in chapter 6, verse 16. Can God's temple contain false gods? This is God's word translation. So we're talking about surrendering our hearts, surrendering ourselves, and having a single-mindedness of focusing on his purpose for our life and his message, his method, his purpose, his glory. So the question, can God's temple contain false gods? Clearly, we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live and walk among them. I will be their God. They will be my people. Verse 17, the Lord says, get away from unbelievers. Does that mean not witnessing? No, he's talking about being connected 
Jesus would surround himself with unbelievers and minister to them that they would believe. Separate yourself from them, having nothing to do with anything unclean, that I will welcome you. So we're positioning ourselves by shunning all appearance of evil to separate ourselves from the things that would defile or contaminate the temple of God. We are the temple of God. To separate ourselves from the things of the world to the point that God can use us in the manner and purpose that he's designed us for. The Lord Almighty says, I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters. Amen. So our job is to understand that what we do, how we live, has nothing to do with an organization. What we do, how we live, has nothing to do with rules for a platform. But what we do and how we live has everything to do with the Word of God. To submit our will before His will. Not a leadership guide to the Bible, but a Bible as a guide to leadership of a, taking this word and saying, God, let me be aligned perfectly with your word that I can hear and understand and experience what you're wanting to do in this last day. God always has a purpose behind his commands. And his call to separation is no exception. God does not call us to be holy merely for the purpose of being different than the world. Everything has a purpose. Saint of God, understand, when he called Abraham to leave the, the land he, he, he was in, had a purpose for that. Amen? When he closed up Sarah's womb and she could not have a child, he had a purpose for that. When he withheld the child from Hannah, he had a purpose for that. When he opened the womb of Leah and closed the womb of Rachel, he had a purpose for that. We've got the history book. We can see that. They, could, they were living in that. Amen? So today as we bring it home to you, as we bring it home and, and get into our own ordeals, some things we bring into our own life. We invite it into our own life by the way we live. But some things we don't invite in, it's simply that it happens and we, we endure that. The military had a slogan, be all you can be. Be all you can be. But being all you can be is under strict guidelines of the United States military. You may not believe it, but I think I saw pictures of Brother Mays that used to have long hair. Is that correct? But when you were in the military, did you have long hair in the military? Now, he might have been like a friend of mine that said it's still long in, in, on the inside. But it wasn't long on the outside. Be all you can be, but the military makes great demands. And I want you to think about this. The soldier embraces the discipline and the restrictions because they've dedicated their life to a service of their country. And in here tonight, we have different branches represented. Brother Brock, you were with the Marines, correct? Brother Mays with the Air Force. Brother Rimmel was with the Army. I think his son, Skip, was with the, with the Navy. So we, And I may be leaving... Uh, Brother Willett was with the Navy back there. So we got different branches of the military represented here, but they were serving something bigger than one individual. 
They were doing something for a nation, for a country, and they were wearing the banner. They were wearing the uniform. They were, they were wearing that with, I hope by the grace of God, good pride and great pride. All of them were volunteers. They weren't drafted, but they volunteered to be there. So they were being all they could be, but they were in service for the country. So I'm asking tonight in Jesus' name that if we would embrace this word of God that's called us out of darkness to a marvelous light, my thought is why would anyone not want to be a part of something that's going to be raptured out of here to a greater place, to a mighty new earth and a new heaven? Why would anyone not want to be a part of what's going on in the kingdom of God? We are living for a purpose greater than ourselves. When we go home on a Sunday morning and we prepare ourselves for a Sunday night, sometimes it might be a labor. Sometimes it might be, man, a Sunday night service? But it's greater than what we, what we are. And if we can grasp this, if we can hold on to this. Stand with me this afternoon. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. I believe before we were born, God had a plan for our lives. That plan included separation from the world unto God that plan was for the purpose of doing his work whether we embrace it or whether we reject it God had a plan for our life for 21 years 22 years I rejected that I felt the presence of God I prayed to God. I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know scripture. I wasn't brought up in church. I had a grandmother that, that prayed that was, uh, I had a mama that taught me right from wrong but didn't take me to church. I grew up a heathen. But God's hand was on my life from day one. I believe that. I believe God's hand was on my life from day one even though I didn't embrace the calling. I didn't embrace what he wanted me to do, but his hand was on me. His mercy was on me. And when I got maybe 21 years old, something 20 years old, something just began to, to, to gnaw at me, if that's a good word. I wasn't upside down health-wise. I wasn't upside down spiritually. Financially, I wasn't upside down. I didn't get a doctor report saying you need to get your life right. I, I didn't have any of that. There was just something on the inside that said, I, I need to find a church. And my sisters started going to church. Now, they may have been going for a while, and I thought, I'm going to go with them. They worked with a lady by the name of Michelle Martin back in the early 80s. Her and Ernest attended Christ Apostolic Church in Arthur, Tennessee, and they invited my sisters. And for whatever the reason, they liked this church. And when I came over, I wanted to be involved. I wanted to do something for the Lord. I didn't want to do, amen, I wanted to embrace the call. All my life, I was so backwards. I didn't want to speak to anybody. didn't want to talk to anybody. I'd take a big fat zero instead of giving a report. I do not want to stand up in front of people. But there was something about the Holy Ghost that just kept pulling. And you know, we can ignore it. And we can ignore it maybe till we die. 
But I found out as I look back over 35 years, the best things in my life have happened while I've been in church. Some of my best friends I've ever had, I met in church. I met my wife that I believe, I'm not speaking for her, I'm speaking for me. I believe that it was ordained by God. I had made my mind up. I had made my mind up, I'm not dating anybody else out of church. There was way, now this is me, this is me talking. There was way too much temptation for me. And I realize this is creating a struggle between me and my relationship with God. And I made my mind up, I'm not doing this anymore. And there was a young lady that came to visit a mammal on a sunny, hot day from Monroe, Michigan. And I stood right there and I took Ashley out of my arms and handed her to Pastor Leach and we prayed over and dedicated her 27 years ago. And she grew up in this church. And I took Elena and we dedicated her right here on this platform unto Jesus and she grew up in this church. She was married. Ashley was married in this church. They were baptized in this church. These are memories that I could have lost had I not felt that pulling of the Holy Ghost. Where would I be right now had I not felt that anointing calling me out of darkness? I was a nobody. I was an absolute nobody going nowhere. And the Holy Ghost said, come. And by that anointing, just pulling my heart, I thought, wow, there's something about this that I can't let go of. I've never been perfect. I've never felt like I get it right all the time. But I can tell you this, my good God has mercy new every morning. And he, and he gives, gives us that opportunity to call right back on him and call right back out to him that he, that he pulls us back whenever we, we start getting out just a little bit. He pulls us right back. But the good mercies of God. And as I look back over my life and all the things that God has given to me and all the mercies and all the beauty and all the things that God's done for my family and my home and my marriage and my children, all the things that's worked out for my good. Brother Parton, who but the Lord? Right? Who but the Lord could have brought this all together? And I stand here tonight as part of your family. And what a great privilege I count that. What a great honor I count that, that I get to be a part of your family. You love me, you pray for me, and I love you. What a great honor it is to be a part of this church. I want you to know tonight, saint of God, we are the pinnacle. We are what God desired when he breathed life into Adam, the church. We are the bride. We are the wife that he's coming to get. And we're to make ourselves ready. And we're to robe ourselves with his righteousness. And we are to be ready for his calling. I want you to understand Satan hates truth. And I want you to understand according to Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, King James says we are his workmanship. The New Living Translation says we are God's masterpiece. Do you feel like that tonight? Maybe not one person in here would say, yeah, I feel like a masterpiece. 
Whether you feel like that or not, the Word makes a declaration. We are the masterpiece. And I'm going to make it. This church is going to make it. Amen. This church is going to make it. And you can make it. I want us to call out to the Lord tonight. And I'm not, I'm not nearly finished with this, and maybe I've butchered it a little bit. But, but I'm going to try to maybe focus, if God allows, Wednesday night. But I want, us, I want us to take a moment and say, God, let me have a revelation of the fact that I am part of the church. And the church is the eternal purpose of all creation. I can accept the fact my God did not need a son. I'm not talking about S-O-N. He did not need S-U-N. He didn't need a moon. He didn't need stars. He didn't need trees. He didn't need an ocean. didn't need an earth. He didn't need any of it. But the beauty of creation as we know it was for me. It was for you. He did it all for us. He did everything for us. Can you imagine all the things that he does behind the scene? We have no clue about. He did it for us. He did it for us. Could we return that worship to him tonight? Could we just walk into the presence of the Lord and say, God, I want to be a part of that purpose. I want to be a part of that plan. I want to, I want to go forward in what that calling that anointing you've given to me, maybe as a young child, maybe as an older man or an older woman. I don't know. But in Jesus' name, could we just reach out to God and say, God, I, I don't want to live for myself. I don't want to live for the world. There's nothing in comparison to what you're going to give to us. There's nothing in comparison of what you're doing in our life already. There's nothing in comparison to what you have in store for us. We are the central object. We are the part of the eternal or we are the eternal purpose we're the wife would you reach to him right now would you call on the name of Jesus right now would you surrender that heart right now would you make that commitment right now would you submit yourself to the hands of the master right now will you call out on the name of Jesus right now come on somebody reach to him right now make that commitment right now surrender that heart right now somewhere in my life I had to I had to make some decisions God, I'm going to stay in this thing, and I'm going to go. The, I'm going to go. The, go with you. Come on, reach to Him right now in Jesus' name. Let's find us a place to pray, Saint of God. Let's let's come. Let's pray tonight in Jesus' name. Let's let's get out of our pew. Let's make a commitment to God. Let's get into this altar. Let's pray tonight.